Hello, sisters in Zion. Welcome to our podcast. We're so happy to be on here with you. This is Danielle. Daniel here with you, and I'm here with my best friend in Hawaii. <laughs> Aloha, it's Kirsten. <laughs> and I know you're getting ready to pack up and uh, leave your house for a couple of months, right? Yeah, I am, man. We are about ready to like shake it up. We leave um, this next weekend for a couple of months, actually. It's kind of crazy. I'm like yeah. pulling crap out of drawers and closets and like throwing stuff away. And it's so freeing actually. I really love it. But yeah, getting ready to make the move. I love shedding layers and, and then they're not moving just to kind of be clear. She goes every summer. She, if you don't mind me sharing about your yeah. house, um, she has a beautiful house on the beach in Hawaii. So they rent it out and they go visit family during the summer mm-hmm. and then they come back when the school year starts again. So it's just a great little way to like um, maximize your travel time when the kids are off and also the rental, the Airbnb time that, you know, you have such a great place over there to share it with others. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And, and I love how you said share it with others because usually when people come stay, you know, I've been hesitant to do that, right? Like, okay, I'm going to let someone come to my house. Like maybe some people don't think that's cool. But, you know, the comments that I get back are always like, thank you so much for opening your home. Like it just, you know, it was such a life-changing experience. It was just such a wonderful family vacation. Like, you know, just to have this space. So yeah, it feels good. It feels good to share, you know, the blessing of this home. It's really wonderful. Oh, I love it. I love, I love it when you share the blessing of your home with me. <laughs> I always want to share the blessing of my home with you. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. Um, so I was, I opened up you guys this, uh, when Kirsten and I got on and we just kind of, we kind of do a little personal time before of just like, how are you? How are you? And it's, I feel like we start to be kind of more vulnerable with each other. And then she's like, I started telling her how I was feeling. She's like, well, we should talk about this. And I'm like, oh, it's a little personal. But so I decided, you know, I will just kind of share. But one of the things I wanted to share is I lately have been really focused on how can I really strengthen the belief that I have in myself and love um, for myself and others. Because I know it really stems with you when we can love ourselves in unconditionally, we can love others unconditionally. And so it's been a, it's been a spiritual focus. I've been praying about it actually for quite a few years. And this really stems um, from a couple things growing up, definitely not feeling worthy of being loved. Um, and I don't know, again, family patterns and abuse patterns that really stems from that, but that's, that was the, the operation or the conditioning, the behavior conditioning that I carried along with me. And then when I was 18 years old, I was barely even active. I wasn't really that active in the church actually, but I received a patriarchal blessing and something in the very end of it really stuck out to me. And it was almost like it commanded me that if you want to fulfill your mission in life, it says you must learn to love yourself in kind, understanding, compassionate ways. And I remember the entire blessing, just kind of being a young 18 year old, not that active in the church and getting this blessing. And I was like, okay, cool. And I'm just going to be real. The patriarch was so kind, but he farted during it and it stunk. And I was just like, so, it's just funny that I even remember that. Huh? Oh my God. I don't mean it disrespectful. No. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we all do that. But point being, he's so old. He didn't really understand. I don't think, I mean, knew it wasn't, but it was more, I was just, I was an 18 year old trying not to giggle. So it was really hard for me to um, enjoy the sacredness of that blessing at that time. And so I'm grateful that I have it because now I realize how sacred it is. But I do remember the whole point of that story. Um, 
was to tell you guys that at the very end, you know, despite all the little, you know, nuances of who I was and, you know, what was going on in the room, that hit me to the core. And I remember feeling like, like the spirit very strong, um, like comforting me, but also like testifying to me, like, you must do this. Like, this is so important. So it's been on my mind to, you know, that's just the whole, how it was said in there, love yourself in kind, understanding, compassionate ways. So it's something that I focus on and it's not something I've mastered. It's not something that I know exactly, but I have come miles from where I used to be. And even Kirsten's, because we've known each other 20 years, has recognized that. And as I've been lately, like praying and, you know, just diving into a new layer, it's interesting. I, I feel like this last couple weeks that as I've been trying to dive into a new layer, I've, I've been struggling and it's not, not in a bad struggle. I'm in a different mind frame where I'm um, where I realize I, I realize the struggle is things that are purging, and that's so good, but it's also difficult. And I'll and I'll share um, something that happened just today to just kind of give you an example. So, where where I'm at church today, and I am for some reason just looking around the room and Relief Society, and I'm realizing like I feel like I'm not that close of friends with people. And then I start thinking, oh, I don't know if people I don't really would want to be friends with me. And you know, so then all these negative thoughts come and I'm like entertaining them. And the reason I'm entertaining them, because there's a part of me that still has this layer of belief of unworthiness. So I got called to go um, out of Relief Society and go help out in primary. They needed they were short someone. So in transition in primary, um, the primary wasn't out yet. And so I was just kind of waiting for the kids to get out and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, why do I feel this awful about myself? And, and I wonder if like, you know, I want to share this cause I wonder if some of you can relate at church too. And you think I don't really connect with anybody. I don't feel like people really like me or I feel like, you know, I'm surfacy with people, you know, I'm sure I'm not alone in just those kinds of thoughts that come to when you're in a community. And you're unsure of who they are and what they're thinking and you're unsure of who you are at times, you know? So this, because this last two weeks I've been really diving into this, this has come up for me today and I'm sitting there in this primary, you know, the little room waiting for the kids to come and I'm like, my head, and I'm just like, wow, I'm realizing I'm spiraling and I knew it. And so I said, Heavenly Father, I know what's happening. I know I'm giving in. What I want to understand is what part of me is allowing it to give in that's obviously still, it, I allow it to permeate because um, it's still a belief and I want, I'm really going to put it in your hands to help me. And I immediately got just like this response of just feeling of, I've got you and go serve. And so I went, instead of just waiting for the kids, I just went into the primary room. I was like, I had to get out because it wasn't me analyzing it. And that type of a space wasn't going to be helpful. So I went and served the kids, um, and walked with them back to the classroom. And it was just, you know, the best thing I could do is get out of my head and go be there for somebody else. And it was just, it was magical. And it's, it, it buoyed me up for what I needed. And he will help me realize what part of me is still 
feeling that layer of unworthiness. And I, I appreciate that it's coming up because that is how we expand our belief. That is how we expand our love is by allowing layers that block that love to come up and get rid of it. It's so, oh my gosh. When you first started sharing with me, you didn't tell me that whole story, right? So you were just saying to me, I'm still feeling, I'm noticing that I'm still feeling these, you know, this lack of belief or lack of love or compassion and, and kind, you know, understanding of myself and all of that. And my first thought was, I, I can see that you are attempting to grow your, your belief. You're growing your spiritual muscle of this. And so, I mean, let's look at what we know, right? Like if I want to grow my biceps or my, you know, my whatever, my bicep muscle. Gluteus maximus. I know. I wanted to say, yeah, I wanted to say glutes, but I didn't. Dang it. I knew you did. (laughs) I'm like, I don't care if I grow my biceps, like whatever. Okay. Anyway, if I want to grow those muscles, I have to be in the gym. I have to be burning them out. I have to be doing the reps. And is that fun? Like, I mean, sure. Like it's cool to work out. You got some good music. You got cute workout clothes on, but like the, the act, the act of burning through that and growing it is not like a pleasant, easy road. It's not. It's not meant to be. It's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. There's resistance there. It's a struggle. And that's how it's designed. So when we're trying to grow like our spiritual muscle and our ability to build strength in a certain belief or situation, it it makes sense that you would be then put in situations where you're going to experience it again. I think it's, it's false that we would think, I'm, I'm just trying to change this belief about myself, so I'm just not going to believe it anymore. Like, yeah, maybe, but you probably have to go through the situations. And what I could hear you doing, though, that was so different is it's almost like you're, experience, you're experiencing it, but you're experiencing it like in third person where you're like, okay, I can see what this is. It's like, you know what I mean? And you were, you were including the Lord in it right away. And so you still felt it, but you were, you were quicker. And I think that's what like our listeners can learn from this is, yeah, you are going to, it's a pattern. This is a pattern that has been pretty much since you were born. I mean, this is something that you're changing that has been layer upon layer in all kinds of situations. So it makes sense that you would as you're healing through it, you would continue to experiencing it, to experience it also. Yeah, it does make sense. And the part that for me, I think you're right, like turning, so it encourages me, right? Turning to the Lord with it. But the second part of it is, don't you think like when we are faced with it, it really expands our belief. I know I want to, I'm trying to avoid the word that, tries us like it's like a test you know because I feel like when you say like oh this this was a big test you know which it is it's a test but I feel like there's a we think oh well you're gonna fail it you know instead with the Lord I feel like instead of it being just a test where you're gonna pass or you're gonna fail it's this it's this like like those elastic bands that you work out with it's expanding you I'm it's, I'm gonna expand you just it's expanding that belief I have a question about that, actually. So when I hear um, test or trial, to me it sounds like, you know, Job being tested, like, you know, like they, like, 
you know, God and Satan are like, oh, let's give him these things. Like, let's, let's like point our magic wand and like, boom, like you're going to have this and this and this, and then your family's going to die. And then you're going to get this disease. You know what I mean? Like, so in this situation, and, and I don't, you know, we didn't live in Job's time. We really don't know how they used to, how they did things back then. But currently, as it relates to you in this situation with um, being at church and to feel all these feelings, do you feel like that was God giving you a test? Or do you think it was you creating that scenario based on all of your layers and you were just experiencing it? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'd really like to understand more about God giving us trials or... Well, the natural consequence of like this fallen world, you know what I mean? That's what I was going to say. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I have the exact answer. I just think from, you know, from, I can just give you what I think and what I've experienced, which is obviously not everything. So what part of it is, yeah, there's natural fallen consequences of this world that you're exposed to, that we're always, that men and accountability are going to make choices I'm going to make choices. He gives me, he gives us enlightenment. It's like a muscle. He's like, we seek out a principle. We study it out. We get this enlightenment and it fires these awesome neurotransmitters in our brain, right? And speaking of brain science and we're just like on a high, which God created, you know, joy and enlightenment create a natural, just high love in our bodies. It feels amazing. You know, when you feel the like charity, like pure love of Christ and we desire like, Oh, I want to keep feeling that. So then we go back as we're living in this world with things that are going, obviously we know we've talked about evil spirits that exist here that have didn't come down and get bodies and that has existed here you know, after they die. And so we're, we're constantly being bombarded by, let's just call them negative pathways, right? Um, energies that when they emit a thoughts are energetic. They're at, that's why we, when we hear that, you know, thoughts from, you know, travel through the Holy ghost, it's an energetic. So, so again, those energetic pathways, but so those are all around. So I don't necessarily think that he like strikes us with stuff. But again, that's just my own experience. However, I do think we're always, so if we're always in his hands, is he not then protecting us from a lot of the negative pathways, just for lack of a better term right now, that are swarming us and saying, I'm going to allow you to fill up to this point. I don't, because I mean, if if he we, we weren't in his hands, I mean, gosh, I think we would be in really bad shape. <laughs> I, I, so I'm so yeah. I'm guessing that's kind of my roundabout way of talking it through. I think the word is allow. I think you imagine yourself in his hands, and he allows you to do that. Kind of like, I mean, I don't know if you do this with your kitties, but like you know, you let them go outside and you let them climb trees and you let them get stuck in trees and you know what I mean? And then you go and get cushions and you (laughs) put the cushions on the ground and you're like, all right, Liberty, like, come on, get down now. So you kind of knew, you probably figured she was going to get stuck in the tree or, you know, not intentionally, but you're like, okay, there's a real possibility that this is going to happen and we're going to work through it together. I'm going to make sure she's okay. I'm not going to let anything terrible happen to her, but you know, she might like, get a little scratch or she might have to experience fear and frustration in order to learn how to get out of the tree. And, you know, I do the same thing with my kids. I set up a safe environment 
right? That's, yo, that's a really good analogy because you know that obviously it has happened. I've had to get the ladder out and everything to get Liberty out of the tree. I've got two cats. One of them is a tree climber. She'll do anything for an excitement. And it's interesting when you were saying that, it's a good analogy because there's moments where she just keeps climbing and she gets to a point where it's actually very difficult for me to get her. And there's moments also where she'll stop and she'll look at me and just meow, you know, and she like looks at me to help her. And I'm like, I'm right here. It's easy to grab her. But if she, if she doesn't turn to me quicker and she keeps turning away from me and climbing up the tree even further, I've actually had, that's what I'm saying. I had to get the ladder. I still get her, but I've had to get the ladder and I've had to pull her out of an awkward situation that scraped me and her. And I it felt so bad, but again, she, again, just using a cat as an example, but she chose to continue on without stopping and asking, you know, for me to come and put me back, put her back in my hands. Exactly. And I was actually going to say that too, going back to being in God's hands, you know, he can't force us to stay in his hands though. And I think that's such a, it's such a great analogy, actually the cat analogy, because yeah, sometimes we deliberately climb out of God's hands. We're like, yeah, you know what? I do got this and I do want to choose this. And Satan is right there. Oh yeah, you're way too strong to be in God's hands. Oh yeah, you've got, you know, you don't need that. You don't need all this, all the stories and all the things, right? So we have to ask ourselves, am I choosing to experience this mortality outside of God's hands? And sometimes the answer is yes, for sure. And, and I think he knows, but just like, you with your cat, you're always there. I mean, you're going to get the ladder. You're going to get the cushions. You're going to call the fire department. I mean, whatever you got to do, like you're going to get her back. And that's how the Lord is with us too. But we do deliberately choose to experience these situations in life out of his hands. And can we just recognize that we're doing that and stop? Like, I mean, my goodness, it's not saying that you aren't going to have to experience the difficult things, but you can experience those things in God's hands. And he's given us the exact recipe to do it with scripture study, fasting and prayer, PPM, and always turning back. Yeah, it's a very good point. Staying in his hands even while still experiencing you know, mortality. It's part of, it's completely part of the plan. The beautiful thing is in mortality, with the total physical struggles that it brings on to with a human, this beautiful human body we've been blessed with, right? That allows us to learn things at a deeper level. It's like, you know, when you say you can watch, like, you know, you and I both grew up um, dancing, right? And you can watch someone, you know, your instructor teach you dance all day long, but until you get the muscle memory, until you do it yourself, it, you, you don't know it. You do not understand how to do that routine until you do it yourself and practice in muscle memory. So I feel like that's what life is, that muscle memory. And that's what the human body allows us. And in his hands, he will allow us to experience these things, which I have asked him. I've said, please help me expand this belief and learn to love myself in kind, understanding, compassionate way so that I can fulfill my mission. And I, I, I just, I, I know that's so important. And so having these things come up for me, it's, I'm allowing them to come up and I'm, I'm turning to him with those things rather than just spiraling and being rude or, or just like sitting and wallowing or whatever it is. And I'm not saying like, I may not be processing it perfectly, but I'm figuring out how to process it. And so that is perfect. Absolutely. 
That is perfect. And I, I love how you brought up dance and you think about the muscle memory and the pattern. Like what you're doing is you're memorizing a pattern, right? And so there are certain patterns that you have memorized already up, in, up to this point in your life. And I think the, the key here is, is for each of our listeners to take a certain situation that makes you feel less than bad, angry, negative, judgmental. Okay. Everybody thinking, I, I can certainly think of them. You got it? <laughs> okay. So think of that one thing. And then now dissect that situation with there is a pattern here. Um, you know, this person says this, and then I feel this way, and then it triggers this memory, which then justifies my feelings about the way that I feel about it now. And then it relates back to whatever it relates back to. Like, you know what I mean? Like deeper stuff, like when I was five years old or 10 years old, right? And there's this, this ping-pongy justification pattern that is woven into who you are now and how you're showing up now. So the good news and the bad news is, my sweet friends, <laughs> you have to disrupt the pattern. You have to take the cobweb and like, you know, wave your hand through it and like shake it up. You got to take the Etch-a-Sketch and like shake up the Etch-a-Sketch and like be willing to take complete responsibility for your own Etch-a-Sketch. You can't control anybody else. But which part of this pattern are you going to work on now? And, and be willing to that, understand that like, this is a pattern that took you, you know, 30 years or more, you know, if you're, if you're closer to our age, like it took you that long to create that pattern. I believe that with the atonement, thank goodness, the atonement of Jesus Christ can erase those patterns and build up those things more quickly than without it. In fact, I don't believe that it's possible to do without it. That is what the atonement of Jesus Christ is here on this earth for in all of its capacities, right? Um, but it can be done probably a lot more quickly than you believe it can. You know, again, I think Satan is the one that's like, oh no, that's going to take years. It took you 30 years to become the person you are now. So it's going to take you another 30, you know. Now, that's probably not true. Like, you know, if you're anything like me though, you like to know timeframes. And I honestly feel, I can see in my own life, I've got this like two-year cycle I've noticed, like where I'll get ideas, I'll, things will come up for me and I'll start to, you know, the first step is recognizing it, right? Like just paying attention to your pattern. And then it's like, okay, you have to experience this situation or this pattern enough times where you start to act differently like the next time and a little bit of the next time. And then the, and then the third time you don't act differently at all. You go right back to your old ways. You're like, no, I'm, I'm addicted to this pattern. I like this pattern, you know? And then the next time you're like, okay, no, I actually freaking hate this pattern. And then, right? Like, I mean, this, is this not what it is really like, like to create lasting change? It's a yeah. process of disrupting the patterns. It is. And that's what, you know, in, in mental health, that's what we call for addictions. We call them pattern disruptors. And so we say, you know, um, what we need to do when, or what someone needs to do when they're working on um, conquering an addiction is change their pattern, disrupt their patterns, meaning don't drive the same route to work. Obviously don't hang out with the same friends where maybe the alcohol or whatever the, you know, 
Um, if you, if the pattern is at, in the night, maybe it's pornography and you decide, oh, when everybody goes to bed at 10 p.m., I stay up and that's when I get in that pattern. Don't stay up anymore. So it's like, it's all about disrupting those patterns and it's, um, yeah, absolutely how we do it. And I want to say something, you know, the atonement, like you said, that is the key and it is that simple. And just continuing to turn to it. And if you think about when we're in a state of repentance, we're in a state of receiving. If we don't repent, we can't receive. We can't, in, you know, like being so, like in, back to like addictions with the mental health, the only thing that really gets people to break those patterns is because they usually hit a rock bottom. So, and they're at this point in their life where they're just like, I have to make a change or, I mean, it's life or death. It's such a strong why, right? It's such a strong want because they're in a, such a crux of life. And that's that contrite and broken, you know, broken heart and contrite spirit. So if we think of it the same way is repentance like, oh my gosh, forgive me. I judge this person, Ugh, whatever. That's not really the same. And so and I, you know, I'm just calling myself out on these ways. And so I, I look at how can I feel, how can I ask him to help me feel such a, a repentance, like such a remorse for those, those parts of aspects that will help me change those patterns that I am like willing in my, it's like, almost like I imagine like our brain, like the wiring for the old patterns just goes like phrase and it's just like, all right, we're done we're not wired anymore. And I'm like, God, I need you to rewire because I have no idea. And so I feel like, again, because I'm a brain science person. So I'm just looking at how that repentance really is what causes that change. And how do we, so my big question is what gets us to that state of repentance that really allows the change to come in? Like what, what are some things we can do to get there? Humility, um, charity. I mean, like, I'm like, okay, I'll just be humble now. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the worst one is when you're humbled. You know, for me, I look at when, when back to where we were talking about the word allow, you know, I think I've shared this on the pods previously, but, um, eight years ago, almost eight years ago, um, we were living in Las Vegas. I was pregnant with my third child. Um, you know, doing very well financially and, and in the church. I mean, you know, just doing the best we can. And my husband's business like went down the toilet. Like we got freaking, <laughs> we got our butts handed to us like big time. Like we got sued. We lost everything. You know, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was so awful. We had nothing. I was just, I was just uh, on Sundays, we watch like Mormon messages with our kids, you know, like, cause they want to watch TV and we don't let them watch like regular programs. So we watch, you know, Mormon YouTube channel <laughs> anyway. And, uh, or church of Jesus Christ YouTube channel, excuse me. Um, <laughs> so there was a story of this family whose dad lost his job and it goes through and talks about, you know, tithing and fast offerings and you know, that whole, that whole situation. It really brought up the memory for me of like, I looked at my kids and I said, you guys don't remember what that was like for us. Like you actually, we, that was us. We were the ones that were getting, you know, welfare from the, you know, from the church. And we never went to the Bishop's storehouse, but we had like members of our war that were just bringing us food, like all the time and diapers and all the things, you know, anyway, 
So I look back, that was up to this point, you know, one of the most difficult things I've ever gone through. I felt like God, I was like, what, why did you allow that to happen to us? And I look back on it now and I just realized that like, he didn't do that to us. He just allowed it to happen so that it would be for our greatest learning and benefit. And it truly was, it, and it truly still is. Um, so from that point, I kind of am always looking now. I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't need to get sued. I just, just tell me, I'll, I'll do whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm actually constantly now looking for ways to remain humble. I, I, but you know, I just think that isn't the pattern that the Lord has set for us in scripture study, fasting, paying a full tithe, attending the temple, um, praying morning, noon, and night, you know, and all those things. Is that not humility? Like where maybe it even goes against your nature sometimes, like to always be doing all the things the Lord has set. Like to me, I, I don't know. I just realized now I, I'm, I love it when I get to learn while I'm speaking. Um, I feel like that is a pattern of humility. I agree. You know? Yeah. Obedience. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Obedience is a pattern. Humility isn't being beating yourself up by all means. Humility uh -huh. is obedience. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I do it because the father's asked me to do it, but the father's asked me to do it so that I can stay in his hands. It's not like he's doing it like, cause he wants to be all powerful. Like, you know, it's not like he's trying to be a dictator. He's just like, Hey, stay in my hands. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that, you know, whatever we're going through, no matter how, and I hope that my journey just of today of realizing some old patterns of belief that are coming up for me, they actually do keep me in a state of needing him and needing his guidance and seeking his guidance. It keeps me out of, is more so out of a state of pride, which is more vulnerable to evil influence. And I, I, you know, so I just think for those of you on the, you know, on here, anything you're going through, where you just, maybe you just don't feel great about yourself with something. I, for me, what works for me is realizing I am going through a layer of shedding and have gratitude for it. And then I feel like for me, it helps expand the belief. Like it's like, I have to choose. Do I believe I'm in his hands? Am I allowing him? So one is, am I allowing him? And then B, do I have that belief that I'm in his hands and exercising that, right? Exercising, like we've talked about exercising our muscle, exercising that belief. Okay, I am. I don't feel great. I don't feel any better, but I am in his hands and I'm just going to keep doing my best. And that's what I think is, you know, our, our purpose, right? Do our best and realize we are in his hands as long as we're turning to him or always in his hands, just like my kitty cat. I'm still there. I'm still going to do whatever it takes to get her out of the tree and she ignores me <laughs> at some point. So anyway, thank you totally. sisters <laughs> for joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks Kirsten thank for you. sharing. <laughs> yeah. Bye everybody. <laughs>